Coming up on this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society, we start the third generation of this podcast. It's dangerous to go alone, so the Nintendo Cartridge Society goes with you. Welcome to Nintendo Cartridge Society. My name is Patrick Ellers, and I am joined, as I am always joined, by my co-host, Mark Mitchell. We've got a good show for you today. We are going to be talking about the news from the week, including a cool pre-order bonus you can only get if you're in the UK. And then on Thursday, we are going to continue talking about Nintendo's E3 presentations from the past. But in the meantime, Mark, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. How are you, Patrick? Uh, I am doing all right. Uh, we've got to say, uh, a little bit thrown uh, to immediately have the question tossed back at me. <laughs> you know, turnabout is only fair play. I, I mean, I guess that is... Uh, I was going to say, I guess that's fair, but you already said fair in the previous <laughs> sentence. Now I just look like a dummy. Can um, I just say Mark, that... I, oh, no, no, go ahead. Yeah. Please, please, please. Um, the, uh, I, I know I have showed you this before, um, but I, I have my phone up on like a, a little mount, um, so that you and I can FaceTime while we're recording these things together. Um, and the phone mount isn't high enough on its own. So it's resting on a box and the box holds my Wii U copy of the Legend of Zelda, the Twilight Princess complete with the Wolf Link Amiibo inside it. And every time we record one of these. So, uh, listener, imagine this. Every time that we've talked since uh, lockdown began, um, I have been looking at this and thinking, is it time for me to play Twilight Princess again? <laughs> Every single time. And it might be. Um, like, it's a... I, I'll, I'll admit, I have not played Twilight Princess for years. And, like, mm -hmm. the Zelda remakes are are something that, like, I wish I had a Wii U so I could easily replay them. Yeah, so many good Zelda, uh, so many, two of them, <laughs> Zelda remakes <laughs> on the Wii U, but they're both great, uh, and they're both like the definitive ways to play those games. Like you can make the argument that the 3DS versions of uh, Majora's Mask, uh, really just Majora's Mask, um, uh, but also Karina, uh, uh, um, have like some things missing from them. Uh, but I, I would say that that's absolutely not true of the Wii U remakes. Do you know what I'm hoping for, like? uh zelda's 35th anniversary which has to be coming up here in a couple of years is like sure. put those games on switch put those yeah. like 3ds remasters put the uh um uh put twilight princess put wind waker hd like uh yeah like i one of the things i've loved about um nintendo switch online or you know like the 3ds and the Wii were just, like, their vast, like, virtual consoles. And so the ability to, like, get these older games on it. And, uh, you know, it's like it's time. It's just time for us to be able to do that on the Switch, I think. Yeah, and also uh, make the Oracle games in the uh, Link's Awakening remake engine. Because, come on. <laughs> right. And, you know, like, maybe somebody should be able to play Minish Cap again at some point. Yes, also Minish Cap. I mean, also just put GBA games. Uh, Mark, we got, we, we've got too many demands, and they're too diffuse. Um, so instead, I'm going to say, if you'd like to borrow my copy of Sonic Forces, you can. All you got to do is email us at Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com and send us a mailing address where I can send my copy of this game. You play it for as long as you want. Uh, you send it back to me. It doesn't cost you anything. It's the perfect borrowing program. Now, normally at this time in June, we would be celebrating E3, but of course, E3 this year has been canceled, but that doesn't mean the spirit of E3 cannot live on. Um, so all through the month of June, we're going to be talking about Nintendo E3 presentations from the past. Last week, we broke down e uh, Nintendo's 2004 presentation, which turned out to be like really, really interesting. Um, yeah. th this Thursday, we're going to be talking about the presentation from 2006. And then next week, we'll be talking about 2010, followed by the 2011 presentation. You can find all of these online on YouTube pretty easily. It's such a fine, fun time capsule. Like, I had so much fun checking out 2004s, and I'm really looking forward to talking about 2006 on Thursday. 
Yeah, absolutely. So you've got like the rest of today, I guess, to watch that and send in your questions to us, uh, Nintendo Cartridge Society at, at gmail.com. Or tweeted us at Nincart Society because we're going to talk about it. 2006. This is the full reveal of the Wii, so it is a monumentous occasion, um, and I'm sure that we're going to get more of the same kind of thing that we were talking about last week, but like blown wide open. Um, so anyway, tune in on Thursday for that. Mark, are you ready to get into what we've been playing this week? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, so murder by numbers, uh, as we as we has been well established on the show, is a uh, Picross game that is also a murder mystery visual novel uh, set in 1990s Hollywood. Uh, it is a delight and a blast, and I continue to play it just sort of quietly in the background. Um, but this weekend, I finished the main story. And I completed all of, so as you're going through, there are four cases, right? Um, and in each case, uh, if you do all of the puzzles and you don't use like hints or anything, um, you end up getting an S rank in uh, that case. And then that unlocks extra puzzles that you can do as part of Scout's memory. Scout is the little like robot who flies around with you and solves, uh, solves the, the crimes with you. I finished the story. I got an S rank in... Uh, most of the cases and i did all of the puzzles that the s ranks unlock um with the exception of case number three for some reason i don't have an s ranking <laughs> and i don't know why that is my current theory is that i missed one of the puzzles mm, right that like mm-hmm. i talked to someone uh when i had enough evidence but could have like looked around the environment for like one more puzzle because I never use the hints. I never use uh, any of that stuff. Um, and I don't think it like penalizes you for like taking a long time on any of them or anything. I think it just, I, so I'm, I'm, I'm confused is, is what I'm saying. And I don't know if I should go back into case three, do all of case three again in the hope of getting an S rank just so I can do these last two puzzles. Yeah, that stinks because, I mean, first of all, congratulations on um, completing the game. Uh, But yeah, that stinks because it would be nice if they told you like where you were missing it or like had the ability to go in because the only option being like replaying through the whole thing, like that kind of, that's that stinks. Yeah, it's, I mean, a single case probably represents five hours of gameplay. Like, a lot, and if, if it's a Picross puzzle, I have done already. Um, never mind, I probably did it like a month ago, um, so I probably don't remember. <laughs> it, would, it would be like playing all new puzzles, really. Um, but yeah, it, it's 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 a little bit of a bummer. I feel like I'm just gonna put it down um, mm-hmm. and uh, not have this game 100%ed, and that'll be that. Well, so uh, I- great, great game though. And uh, sorry, just to, just to put a little button on that, because I'll probably never talk about murder by numbers again. Um, uh, I liked the the ending of the story. The fourth case goes like right into um, like tying it all together and like uh, exploring who Scout is, why he exists, uh, and all that stuff. Totally satisfying. Really like the I like the writing throughout, but I think it was the ending was well written as well, um, and I just really liked it. Yeah, that's cool. I haven't gone back to it, you know, probably for a couple of months now. But the uh, the time I put into it was like super enjoyable. You know, it, it definitely delivered on what I was hoping it was going to be, which is that like mashup between a Phoenix Wright type game with um, like a Picross puzzle solver. Yeah. So I ended up picking up the Outer Worlds port that came to Switch. Um, I had pre-ordered it, which... For whatever reason, I was just like, yeah, this is... I, it didn't even cross my mind that it might be a bad port. Um, sure. And that definitely like uh, turned out to be the case. So mm. uh, so the, the Outer Worlds is, uh, was a game developed by Obsidian. Um, Obsidian has since been uh, purchased by Microsoft, so they're now Microsoft First Party Studio. But uh, this was a... Um, RPG that was in development before they were purchased and has been ported to Switch. And it is totally... So, like, a lot of the people from Obsidian is the studio that, um, you know, created... uh, that did 
the Fallout New Vegas release that a lot of people like more than Fallout 3 because the quests are really well written. And, uh, you know, like, they've never had a chance to make another Fallout game, but now they basically did under the guise of their own IP. Um, Yeah. And for that reason, I am really enjoying the game. Like, uh, I've only done the first planet. I've put, like, six hours into it. Um, but it it is just completely, like, Fallout by another name. Um, the, uh, the writing is really good. Like, the voice acting is good. Um, I've, you know, like, the, uh, the choices you have to make are really interesting because it doesn't play out exactly the way you think you're going to. It's going to, like... Uh, at least the ones I've done where it's like, oh yeah, like it seems like these factions are like really clear cut and like the decision I should make is really clear. So you like make that decision and you're like, oh crap, that was, that had unintended consequences that I didn't see happening, but it all like plays out in a way that you're like, oh yeah, yeah. actually I guess like that's interesting and I can see why it would, fo- why it would uh, happen that way. Um, but the, on the technical side, like I am generally not somebody, I'm not concerned about frame rate. I'm not concerned about like that kind of stuff really. But in the open world segments, the game is bad. Like it is like oh no, yeah, it's like straight up like a like a like early gen PS3. Lots of like pop in um, textures not loading or textures loading really slow. So like I'm like you know like um, dashing, and then the game will literally just stop, and there will be like a spinner while it's like loading the oh, like wow. everything in. When you go inside, like, interiors actually look pretty, like, they look fine, um, and you don't get that as much when you're, like, loaded in, but in the open world segments, it's pretty bad. And this, I think, is not um, specific to the Switch port, but, like, the combat, when you have to do... One of the things I've liked about the game is, for the most part, I have been able to avoid combat, but there's, like, certain places where it's unavoidable so far. And the combat is bad, and I don't think it's related to the Switch port. I just think, like, the combat in the game is not very fun. Um, what, what makes it not fun? Is it just that, like, the, the systems in it aren't very deep, or, like, what so, it, is it hard to control? Or? Well, so the whole game is played in, like, first person, and it kind of has it. If you've ever played any of the Fallout, the Bethesda Fallout games, you know, has the rad system where you can basically like slow down time and then you use that time to target specific like parts of an enemy and it tells you what your odds are of shooting it um this has a system that's like fairly similar where you can slow down time and instead of like toggling through like the arm or the head or the torso um you can just like free aim it and it tells you like oh this will stun them this will blind them like that sort of stuff um the problem with it is that it just doesn't like uh, it it's just not like it doesn't feel good, right? Like it, there's no real pretense of that part of it being RPG ish. Um, there, you know, when you like shoot at something, it does tell you like how many hit points you've done, and like the weapons all have different um like D- DPS, but it just doesn't feel like fun or satisfying. It's uh like like workable i guess but i never whenever i have to like shoot something i'm like oh man i really wish that this was like a little bit more fun the combat is just something you definitely just push through so you can do like the fun story elements yeah it's it that that that's a it's it's a bummer that that's not more engaging i'm i'm glad it's it sounds like you are still like sort of you you do like the game though I am, yeah, I wish that I would have bought it on any other platform, um, <laughs> but I am enjoying the game, I, but I cannot recommend, like, buying it on Switch. Like, it, especially yeah. at 60 bucks, it is, like, absolutely not worth it. Um, if, if it drops down to, like, 20 or something, and hopefully they're going to be releasing, like, additional performance patches... Um, but in its current state, I like, I totally cannot recommend it, even though I am enjoying the story part of it, like buy it on any other platform. Yeah. Um, well, all right. Uh, do, do you have any sense of like how far you are? You said you're like six ish hours in, do you have any sense of like, uh, fraction wise, like how, how much of the way through the game you are? Well, so I don't know for sure. Um, when I, I looked it up on like how long I can't remember what the website is, but it's like how long did it take you to beat this? 
and I, I believe it's how long to beat dot it. <laughs> I believe that's great. Uh, it's like they uh, the consensus there was like twenty five hours, um, but I've put in six hours and I just did the main like the first um, planet you're on Terra two, um, mm-hmm. and so I have no sense of like if it's and I did most of the side quests except for. Like, one guy I think I was supposed to talk to, like, I just could not find. Um, but uh, I think that, like, I, I don't know how many more planets there are after this. So I don't know if it's like, oh, there's just going to be, like, two more planets and then I'm done. Or some of the planet, or, like, it's multiple planets, but they're not all as long. So I sure. have no sense of the speed that I'm going. And I have no sense of how long the game is. But uh, time2beat.it says that it should take about 25 hours. Okay, so I, 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 I was mistaken. It's howlongtobeat.com. I was thinking of the old website. Com? Can I sh- dot com. Oh, oh. Like, you know how a website normally ends? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I was thinking of <laughs> the, the now defunct can I stream dot it. Mm, mm-hmm. Which uh, was never as useful as you would think it would be. <laughs> <laughs> Um, uh, Sarah and I both continue to play Animal Crossing over the weekend. She found the final fossil and donated it to um, Blathers to Whoa. the museum. So now, yeah, our, our dinosaur section is now complete. Every fossil in its place and every place has a fossil. So I wasn't sure if fossils, that's interesting. I've never completed all the fossils before. I wasn't sure if fossils were like bugs or fish where like you had to wait to a certain time of the year for them to show up but it's just one of those things that if you're like doing it every day eventually you'll get them all i'm convinced that um fossils the the way it determines what fossil you have is that it could be any fossil when you get it it's not until you have blathers assess it that it randomly selects just from Mm -hmm. a complete list of all the fossils Mm -hmm. um, which is why you get so many repeats um and then uh, eventually after giving him enough uh you've completed it yeah, so that, perseverance pays off. <laughs> <laughs> that makes total sense. Have you had Red visit your island very often? No. So there was, um, there was after after Red's like initial visit, he didn't come around for a while. Um, and I think there was like one day that he was going to be there, and I just didn't play it or or whatever. So like yeah. I think we missed him one week. Um. And then he wasn't around uh, this last week either, which means he has to be around um, sometime this week. Uh, so I, I wish he was. I wish he was there more. Yeah. Like the the way the game like doles out the the visitors to the island. Um, there are so many different possible weekday visitors: Gulliver, Kicks, um, Sahara, CJ, Flick, Red, and uh, Label the uh the porcupine that judges your outfits um and so it's one of those every weekday once you've unlocked them all um and that means that only five of those seven will be there in a given week and then it just prioritizes the two that didn't make it on the uh the next week um but it just means that like you can go for two weeks without having red <laughs> um who's like got some of the more like interesting dynamic stuff that you want to do you're buying art from him you want some of the art not- <laughs> if you buy a fake painting from him you maybe blew your chance to buy new art for two weeks <laughs> <laughs> well yeah especially because you're like trying to fill your museum right with art and so yeah. to have them o- have him only show up like once every two weeks it's just like artificially limiting how difficult it is to fill your museum yeah Leaf, Leaf is the other one, the the sloth who sells uh, uh, seeds and stuff. Um, I I, w- I was wondering the, this week why they don't release um like uh, amiibos that are plushes of those animals who visit, right? A little plush, a uh, little plush kicks, a little plush uh, red, and sell those, and then people can scan them in, and that character automatically visits your island the next day. That like, would be awesome, and also people would love them. <laughs> get a little plush cj and uh and uh flick like that'd be great i mean especially because like uh you know they could just put the um like the chip in its foot and so those things could be huge they could be any size yeah we all remember the mega yarn yoshi that thing was big (laughs) but Uh, they don't really make amiibo anymore right yeah yeah weirdly um 
So I, I also picked up Clubhouse Games and uh, friend of the show. Same. Ju- yeah. Oh, did you? Yeah. So friend yeah. of the show, June and I, um, we played it a little bit this weekend and that's the only time I've played it. So uh, I had a lot of fun with the ones that we played for the most part, but one of the, one of the things we tried to do was play Hanafuda, which I had never played before. And like, uh, going online and then trying to play Hanafuda is not the ideal way to play that game. So I'm hoping, and I don't know, maybe you have experience with this, Patrick, if you had a chance to check it out, but like, I don't know if the single player would give you a better, like, tutorial of playing it, like you would, because you'd play against the computer and be able to fail. But yeah. otherwise, it's like, unless the person that you're playing with like knows how to play the game like i did not find the little intro to be enough information for me to be like and now i can enjoyably play this yeah no it's uh, i i i purchased the game on sunday evening um and uh because sarah and i were talking about it earlier in the day and uh i was like does that sound like something that would be fun and she's like yeah that sounds great let's get it um and so i downloaded it and then we did not play it <laughs> But I, I assume we'll have more to say about it, uh, you know, after um, this week. Um, you'll notice, Mark, that I did not mention Xenoblade Chronicles. Uh, and I think I am going to go back to it. But I just wanted to point out we got an email from uh, listener Josh. Josh writes in and says, hey, guys, I just wanted to let Patrick know that you have my full support on dropping Xenoblade. I played it on the Wii and had a similar experience with it, where I was kind of interested in the story, and I liked the idea of getting sucked into, into a super long RPG, but the battle system seemed terrible. It's designed like an MMORPG's combat system, which, just to pause on reading for a second, is the perfect way to describe what this uh, combat system feels like. I was trying to describe like the individual moment-to-moment. It's like an MMO. That's what it feels like. Um, but I feel, uh, and then back to the letter here, uh, but I feel like what makes MMO combat fun is communicating with your friends and teamwork, uh, which obviously is not a thing in a single player RPG. It's many, many side quests are also structured like an MMO RPG, which is to say that they're generally uh, story light, fetch or kill all kill X number of monsters quests. Um, I got like 20 hours into it, partially because my friend who really liked the game kept telling me the battle system got better further in the game, as I'm sure other listeners will tell you. In my opinion, it did not. Well, it did a little, but it got slightly more. It got, <clears throat> but in that, it got slightly more complicated, but nothing fundamentally changed. Just to say that a couple pos- just to say a couple positive things about it. It kind of reminded me of an old school collectathon where a lot of the fun is just exploring all the little nooks and crannies of the giant hub areas, which I do genuinely enjoy and is not something I uh, usually expect from JRPGs. Also, I got my friend to just spoil the the story for me, and apparently it goes to some crazy cuckoo bananas JRPG places, which I mean in a positive way. I feel like if I... I feel like if I enjoyed the battle system more, I probably would have been happy where the story went as someone who is only mildly interested in the story about 20 hours in. Anyway, keep up the good work, guys. Black Lives Matter. Josh. Thank you, Josh. Uh, you're correct. Black lives do matter. Um, and uh, thank you for the permission to uh, ease up on <laughs> on the gas for Xenoblade. Uh, I am definitely not feeling it right now. And, you know, uh, if... I'm open to the idea of feeling it again at some point in the future, um, but most most of what you're describing is uh, it definitely turning me off. Did you buy it digitally or physically? Digitally. Ah, uh huh. Because I was gonna say, uh, I like at some point, maybe. Well, no, I'm not gonna buy it. But um, like, because there is that casual mode that lets you like go through the story, and for, I don't know for whatever reason, I really want to like Xenoblade, but I have never actually bought any of the games. I mean, I think uh, with the exception of having never bought any of the games, I feel like this is me too. That like, I see Xenoblade and I'm like, there's there's a, there's something in here. There is a you know, rich nougaty core at the center of this poison chocolate and I just want <laughs> it. Um, and for, for whatever reason, it's, uh, it's just never uh, none of the iterations of it have felt good to me. Um, well, in any case, thank you, Josh, for writing in. Uh, Mark, let's get into the new releases and what we might be playing next week. So uh, I can tell you right now, I don't think we're going to be playing any of these games, Patrick, because there is nothing on here that really tickles my fancy. 
yeah, I would even say that there's not even anything on here that I know anything about. Yeah, I'm scanning this list and I'm feeling the same way. So should we just uh, run down some of these titles? Yeah, let's do it. All right, so coming out today, June 9th, we have Demon's Tier Plus. Uh, and also Jump King. And then on Thursday, June 11th, we have Prison Architect Island Bound, which is DLC for Prison Architect. We also have Pix Boy and Magazine Mogul. Magazine Mogul could be good. <laughs> and then on uh, Friday, June 12th, we have uh, Super Toy Cars 2. And of course, Rogue Robots. All right. Uh, those are all the new releases. There are others, but we know just as much about them as, as we do about uh, the ones that we just read off to you. So let's close out this segment. Now it's time for a regular segment on the show. It's time for 433. In 1952, American composer John Cage wrote a piece called 433, wherein the performer or a group of performers didn't play their instruments for 4 minutes and 33 seconds. For the purposes of this show, our instruments are talking about Nintendo. So, for the duration of one performance of 433, Mark and I will talk about something not at all Nintendo-related, thus fulfilling the contract of the piece. Mark, we are going to be staying in the realm of video games uh, for, for this segment, and we are going to be talking about PlayStation's whatever event that's happening on Thursday. It uh, was originally scheduled for last Thursday. PlayStation decided it would be better to uh, bow out and let the conversation that was playing out in the national media uh, play out. Um, it is still playing out. Uh, but uh, th so this, this thing is supposed to be just about games that people will be playing uh, on and around the release of the PlayStation 5, oh, which we anticipate to be holiday. Yeah, which is, it, it, I guess, makes a ton of sense because they've already pretty much blown out all you would need to know about the PlayStation hardware, except what it looks like. We don't know yet, right? Yeah, we don't know. We don't know what the we don't know what the box looks like, and we we've seen the controller, and we've gotten a lot of the uh, specs and sort of like I I think there's still a lot of it's not hardware uh, necessarily, but just sort of like the PlayStation service, like mm -hmm. what um you know how it functions, how it addresses backwards compatibility, um and all of that kind of stuff is still a, a little bit up in the air. Um, so, but yeah, they they. They've said that this is going to be uh, specifically about games, right? And so, what what is your temperature on like the PS Five launch in general? Um, my temperature is in like what is the likelihood that I'm going to get one uh, on or near launch, or even just like your or excitement level excitement. to learn more. I mean, kind of low, honestly. Um, you know, I we I play a lot of games on my Switch. I've played a lot of games on 3DS. Sorry, I'm talking about Nintendo during 433. <laughs> um, but like, uh, it's fine. Just put know, a quarter I, I, in the 433 jar. <laughs> I will. Um, but yeah, I I don't I don't really feel like the current hardware is failing or limiting my gameplay experiences. Um, and I don't really know. I don't feel the need for new hardware. What 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 about you? Yeah, it's interesting, like, um, I can't tell if it's just, like, where I'm at in my life and the fact that, you know, um, so much of my, the time that I have for gaming, like, it's just dedicated to stuff that I play on Nintendo um, platforms, so I also will put a quarter in the 433 jar. But, um, I, but yeah, Ooh, like, 50 cents. <laughs> I just am not... It's not that I'm not excited. It's just like, to me, it feels like kind of like on the periphery of the conversation. Like I haven't, I, I'm, you know, like I like tech. Um, and so the fact that there is going to be a new console generation is really exciting to me. But like, I don't feel like I'm necessarily excited to like experience it. I'm more excited for like the discussion around it. Yeah, well, and I mean, it, it, it's interesting, just uh, for me personally, I didn't get a PlayStation 3 right when it came out. I didn't get a PlayStation 4 right when mm -hmm. it came out. Um, uh, I think even, uh, I guess none of the PlayStations uh, did I have at launch, um, but I have had every single one of them um, sooner or later. Um, so, like, I know a, a PlayStation 5 is probably something I will buy at some point. I can't imagine that any of the games that they're going to announce um, on thursday are going to like excite or motivate me 
to get the the beginning of PlayStation Generations is so rocky. Yeah, and I I feel that way with like the, kind of the beginning of every like like Xbox generation as well. So yeah, I I just haven't seen anything that really like excites me for next generation. But in the like thirty seconds we have left, do we have any like uh, guesses as to what we're gonna see at the uh, PlayStation event? Uh, I'll tell you something that could genuinely get me excited is Batman. If uh, PlayStation can align itself with um, the new Arkham game um, or whatever uh, Rocksteady is working on, um, that would get me excited. The original Arkham Asylum was the game that made me go, all right, fine, I got to buy a PlayStation 3. Um, so, yeah, I, I suspect if, if there's an Arkham game. And there are rumors that like uh, Resident Evil 8 might be revealed there. And uh, it is easy for me to get excited about something re- that is uh, new Resident Evil. But I guess we'll never know for sure. I, I guess we will never know. Um, hold on. One more bit of speculation. <laughs> I'm sorry to keep <laughs> blowing the premise of 433. Um, but do you think it is possible that we see any uh, anything about whatever the next Final Fantasy is? I would. I, and even if it's not Final Fantasy, I am hoping beyond hope that they have some like really like weird or cool looking JRPG that I can get really excited about cuz it's been a long time since there's been like a uh, like uh like Final Fantasy 15 didn't like really excite me that much um so like something like that to look forward to I would be all in on I mean a a Final Fantasy 16 would be a blockbuster announcement so too would uh Final Fantasy 7 remake part 2 uh, would be uh, another huge one. Anyway, we were accompanied today by pianist Kyle Shaw. All right, Mark, let's get into the news. After Damon Baker left Nintendo last year, Kirk Scott took over as the face for uh, indie games on Switch and Nintendo of America. But Scott recently announced via social media that he would be leaving Nintendo Um, Here's his statement saying, quote, I am no longer working in Nintendo. The past five years have brought incredible joy from working with all of the amazing indies, and that work will continue. Since February of this year, the events we have all experienced have crystallized my thinking. I'm tired. Opening doors for minorities, being inclusive, and enabling success for everyone in the indie space will be a priority for me. It brings me joy. I can't wait to continue this work with all of you. We all have an opportunity to make things better for others and educate while making great games. Stay tuned. Uh, yeah, an, an, an interesting, if sort of enigmatic statement from uh, Kirk Scott. Um, does it sound like there's any ill will in there? Or is it just uh, just like a realigning of, of priorities and him realizing that like he's got to strike out on his own for that? Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Um... Uh, yeah, I, uh, yeah, it's it's hard to say because, like you said, it's so and any, yeah, hard, <laughs> yeah, hard to say and weird to speculate. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I do think I, maybe this is where you're kind of getting that sense. And when I read the, his statement, like I kind of feel the same way. Is that um, he doesn't say that it was a joy to work at Nintendo, which I think is interesting. Like he says, I'm not working at Nintendo any longer, and I loved working with uh, like. I like the past five years have brought incredible joy from working with all the amazing, amazing indies, but he doesn't say like, I loved working in Nintendo. Like I will really miss it. Like none of that is in there. And I do, I honestly, I do think that's telling. I especially think that his statement, you know, focused on wanting to open doors for minorities, being inclusive and enabling. Um, I, you know, like who are we to speculate, but I agree that it is, that it is interesting that um like the words that he chooses yeah and i I mean it's uh it's interesting he says that since february of this year so you know he's he's referring to um like coronavirus stuff um although i guess february is a little bit early i don't know it's a it, it is a it is an interesting statement um and uh i wonder if we'll ever get more of that story or if it really truly matters and really uh Kirk Scott is going to go on to support uh indie games in a different capacity um that will maybe you know allow him to pick his portfolio um you know on on different criteria than Nintendo was going to let him which is what I suspect this really boils down to um and so good on uh Kirk for um you know finding like another way to um do his work and get his uh get it out there 
yeah, and like, you know, uh, thank you for the work that he's done uh, for indie pl- games on the Switch for the past five years. And we, of course, wish him luck on whatever he does in the future. Um, and, uh, you know, like, to your point, I think that everything that has been going on in the world has, um, you know, been a reason for a lot of people to kind of rethink their priorities and what they've been working on. And, uh, yeah, it'll just be really interesting to see where he lands or what he starts doing next. Yeah, and uh, it, it's it is a shame in this one capacity uh, that he was a good weird voice for like the uh, the fact that he would go on uh, the like Nindy showcases and uh, showcase a personality that is specific, um, like uh, had that like Nintendo energy to it, um, and you know if uh, ho- hopefully Nintendo has uh, someone else in the wings that can be as skilled a uh, presenter. Um, while also, you know, doing the work, the sort of outreach with um, uh, indie developers. Absolutely. In an interview with La Vanguardia, Animal Crossing New Horizons director Aya Kyogoku, or excuse me, Kyogoku, said that the newest installment in the series is being viewed by Nintendo as the start of the third generation of the franchise. She said, quote, The first Animal Crossing had no online play features. It was created created under the premise that players could communicate in an asynchronous manner without an internet connection. Online features were added in Animal Animal Crossing City Folk, and it was possible to play together even with people living in different places. In New Horizons, due to the fact that you start by not having a normal town, there are a lot of changes even if you play alone. We also added a mode called Party Play, where you can play with people living on the same island simultaneously instead of doing it asynchronously like before. The fact that Animal Crossing is a game about communication has been constant through the franchise's history, but the options relating to how you communicate are changing in a flexible way alongside the times and technology. Well, I mean, like 10 years behind the times (laughs) and technology. (laughs) But changing nonetheless. Yeah, and it is interesting that like they they recognize that um in allowing multiple players to run around one island, one village um at, at the same time that it is like a fundamental sort of like a sea change, right? Mm-hmm. Like it makes the game fundamentally different. Um and I just it's the sort of thing that just makes me wish that that online uh that the online play was less laborious and how it connects or disconnects. Um, I should not have to see the whole animation of you flying to my island. Like, I don't... And we also don't need to be interrupted when you leave. Like, it should just say, Mark left, and that's it. Yeah, completely. Um, and I'm sure in 10 years, we'll probably get there. Um, <laughs> the, the, and look, like, who am I to question... Um, the director of Animal Crossing New Horizons. But I think that Wild World, the DS game, had some sort of like um, feature where I could visit your island or, or like sit village and you could visit my village and you couldn't do it at the same time. So maybe that's what she's referring to. That is actually probably 100% what she's referring to since City Folk was the first yeah, time that you could do that. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, that that's one hundred percent what 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 she is saying. Um, it's also uh, it's uh, interesting to note that um, the original Animal Crossing would have been on in Japan uh, the uh, Nintendo sixty four, which had absolutely no way of connecting <laughs> to the internet. So, uh, yeah, it's just it's it's the sort of thing that makes me uh, I don't know. Every, every now and then, I long for like the like little quality of life things. Uh, the the decisions and tweaks and upgrades that would make Animal Crossing, which is already a great game, Animal Crossing New Horizons, um, and turn it into just like an absolute behemoth. Um, like I would love it if it was uh, just easy to drop in and drop out of each other's games. Um, I know people are already using Animal Crossing for like birthday parties and um, uh, game shows and talk shows uh, and stand up shows and just hanging out with friends. Um, but if, I mean, can, can you imagine trying to do like a party in there and trying to get like eight people on your island? It'd take 20 minutes just to get it started. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it would be so much 
so much nicer if you were just able to like easily get into somebody's island and easily get out. The um other like the other small things like I do think by far New Horizons has the best like uh quality of life. Like you know they've like uh even in New Leaf, each game has gotten a little bit better. But even in like New Leaf, like everything took a little bit too long. And I feel like in New Horizons they've really like tightened a lot of that up. But Maybe it would change the game too much, but someday I would love to be able to rotate buildings so they're not so like you have more flexibility and they're not yeah. all just like facing the one direction. Facing down. Yeah. I would love, you know, like just like some of the options, like when Gulliver comes to your island, it's like I get it. Nothing about this changes, like literally nothing every time. So like let me just get going. Just like little like things like that. Like each game they improve yeah. a little bit. And so I'm already wondering what, like, the next Animal Crossing will bring. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I mentioned earlier in this episode that uh, we've got all of the uh, fossils now, but there are still, uh, you know, holes, uh, little, uh, like, patches of dirt that have fossils in them. Um, So we still dig them up, and I still want to sell them, but then I have to get them all assessed by Blathers, and he still tells me, oh, none uh, none that I can accept, I'm afraid. Uh, we already have fossils such as these. And it's like, yeah, I know this. <laughs> like, I know there's no way I can bring you a new fossil, but you have to assess them before I can sell them. <laughs> and every time he makes a little joke about like, uh, oh, if oh, I, you know, if I didn't exercise control, I'd just buy them for myself. But alas, I can't and gives them back to you. Um, that like, it's just... And I understand that the game is intentionally slowing you down in a lot of ways. And, uh, you know, even when it's obnoxious uh, in some capacities, uh, it it can just be frustrating when you're like, I'm having the same conversation with the same animal every day, sometimes multiple times a day. Uh, And I just, it's just not fun. (laughs) No, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Uh, the Nintendo UK store is offering a cool pre-order bonus for Paper Mario, the Origami King, uh, the Switch RPG that's coming out this July. People who pre-order will get origami sheets and a magnet sheet. Um, inter- um, yeah, they're both great. It's, I, I love this. <laughs> what, what is a magnet sheet? So it's a, a sheet of magnets. Like, oh, a, a, like a sheet of stickers, but it's... Yeah. Gotcha. Uh, interestingly, this will apply to both digital and physical pre-orders. How does the uh, digital part nice. work? I, I guess you uh, just pre-order it and you get like a, a digital code and uh, then they send you the this this physical bonus. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, Mark, have you taken a look at these things yet? Uh, I'm going to click right now. Um, well, while you are looking at them, uh, you can ponder this question. Why does Nintendo of America hate us and not want to give us cute little origami foldy things and a sheet of magnets? I don't get it because I, what I would say was that it was because like, you know, Nintendo's riding high in the U.S. And so they um, like don't feel the need to. But even in the Wii U era, when they were sucking air, they like did not ever do any of these um like pre- like special consoles or pre-order bonuses it's like when they're doing bad it's austerity measures and when they're doing good they're like we don't need to i wonder if it just has to do with scale cuz mm. like the 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 uk audience isn't nothing but it's not the us audience you know um i like i wonder if that if that if that is it that it's just like the size of the audience is just too too big and too variable yeah i mean i i I think you're probably right that distribution has something to do with it like it's probably part of the reasons we've seen like in club nintendo in or whatever it's called now in europe you know they uh used to anyways get like really cool physical rewards and stuff like that that we never got here japan is the same thing right they always get cool consoles or cool pre-order bonuses and i think you're right that it's just like easier in um you know those countries to just say like yeah our audience is there's like a cap and so it and the physical area is small so like distribution is a lot easier where in the u.s you know like maybe like california would be the equivalent do you know what i mean like if they were just going to release it in california yeah yeah and i want yeah that that, that's almost got to be it like the the scale is just 
too enormous. We've got 50 states. 50. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you know my opinion. Too many. But also, um, it's either too many or not enough. 50 is just not working for us. (laughs) That's right. Let's let's go uh, D.C. and Puerto Rico. (laughs) (laughs) Um, These I'm I'm looking at the uh, the images right now. Um, they, they are really cute. Like the, the magnets are really cute. The little origami sheets are really fun. They have ones for like, uh, different characters that the easiest one to make out is like this Goomba. Oh, I guess those are toads probably. The, uh, the other ones. Yeah, I think so. Point is it looks good and I'm mad we don't get it. (laughs) I mean, you know, on top of all this, the answer is probably just that Nintendo's withholding. Right? They're just like, they're spiteful. Right. They're mad about the Virtual Boy, but they just don't want to admit it. I am trying to raise up the Virtual Boy. <laughs> uh, Masahiro Sakurai, a uh, hero of the Super Smash Brothers series. And uh, as far as I can tell, all around good guy. Mentioned in his regular column in Famitsu that while he has been playing a lot of video games, he has not felt comfortable tweeting about them. Um, because this, uh, he doesn't want to imply that any of the games he may be enjoying are going to be represented in uh, Smash Brothers, which I feel like he has said before. Like he must still get bothered about it because I think that he's said in the past that like I don't talk about the games that I am playing because all ever all people ever reply to me on Twitter is like, is he in Smash? Like, is she in Smash? Like, is this character in Smash? I, I mean, I know it happens to uh, a, a lot of uh, people that are involved in, uh, you know, creations with um, rabid fan bases, but it feels like we have ruined the internet for Masahiro Sakurai. Like, <laughs> the poor man can't do or say anything without being harassed by Nintendo fans, either to ask him if it means that the character is going to be in Switch or in uh, Smash, or to scold him for putting another <laughs> Fire Emblem character in there. Which is really sad because, you know, like one of the few joys of social media is being able to connect with people that, you know, like have similar interests or connect with people that you're like, hey, I've been playing this game and like you don't know somebody who's playing it. So, you just want to like talk to somebody about it. And we have taken that away from Masahiro, Masahiro Sakurai. And shouldn't we all instead want to be like, hey, that's like, I've been playing that game. It's cool. Let's talk about it. But we don't. Yeah. We don't. We'd just rather harass this man. <laughs> it's bad news. Hey, were you um, sort of interested in Clubhouse Games 51 Worldwide Classics, but didn't want to spend $40? For, you know, like uh, four dozen public domain games and a piano. Um, Well, good news. Nintendo has made available a Clubhouse Games Pocket Edition, which is free, which is pretty cool. Players will have access to Dominoes, Connect 4, President, and Slot Cars. Um, This is super cool because this thing also functions as... And I, I don't know if there is a separate app that also does this. Um, but this is the thing that will allow you to play um, with people who have the uh, full version of the game, uh, like a- everything else. Um, so like the, the sort of like download play uh, version of it, um, but is also like a demo for, for the thing as well. They're, they're being, Nintendo's being exceptionally cool with this release. Like yeah. I almost don't trust it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I've got to say that the um the Connect 4 is even though it's just like Connect 4 is still is one of the favorite games that I played when I played with June over the weekend. Uh look, some games are classic. Some games are worldwide classics for a reason. <laughs> I was actually really surprised at how some of them um like how well some of them translated uh like we played Yahtzee, or I think they called it Yacht Dice, um, in on in the game, and like that translated totally well. It it I was surprised at how like fun some of these games were um, when I wasn't really expecting to have that much fun with it. Uh, are you able to sense how many of the uh, Yacht Dice are in your Joy-Con? I uh, it is a. Um, no, but uh, it is a subtle shaking for sure. I see. 
Uh, and finally, last week we talked about listings for unannounced Switch games showing up on Amazon France. So there were some first-party listings, and uh, there were untitled, and there were also some third-party listings from publishers like Capcom, Warner Brothers, uh, Square Enix, like a lot of heavy hitters. Um, but Amazon France has removed the listings for all of the third-party games, um, but the four Nintendo listings still remain. Um, and I don't think we would have necessarily reported on this part if we hadn't spent so long speculating about <laughs> what those third-party games could have been. It felt irresponsible to not bring it up. So wh- what, uh, do you, what do you think this means? Do you think that it means that like it was just a mistake in like inputting games for this PlayStation reveal on Thursday? Or do you think that um, it, you know, that they just like removed them because they tip their hand a little bit too much. You know, like, that stuff happens all the time. Yeah, I mean, I think it's possible that there there were, like, skews for a lot of those games uh, for... Like, I, I would guess that they are in place of a Capcom game that is coming out, but maybe not necessarily to Switch or hasn't been announced for Switch yet, um, and that, like, they were all just, like, lumped together uh, with the Nintendo stuff that they added that they know is coming. Um, it makes me still excited about four Nintendo games, four more Nintendo games coming out this year. Um, and if they're all remakes of, uh, you know, Mario 64, like, hey, bring it on. <laughs> yeah, maybe, and it, because it's not Nintendo of America, it's Amazon uh you know, it'd be like Nintendo of France. Maybe it's four really cool special editions with really cool pre-order bonuses of Mario 64 that we just won't get here. Oh, I'd be so mad. <laughs> All right, Mark, let's get out of the news. All right, that is going to do it for this episode of Nintendo Cartridge Society. Remember, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. If you like the episode, you can share it on Facebook or Twitter, or wherever you share stuff. Uh, understand it's uh, maybe a little bit of a weird time to be uh, sharing links to uh, a, a fun Nintendo podcast, so I absolve you of the responsibility of doing that. Don't do that. It's weird. (laughs) Donate to some charities instead. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I'm at Patrick underscore Ellers. Mark is at MKE Mitchell. And the show is at Nincart Society. We also have a Facebook page, which is just Nintendo Cartridge Society. Olivia Duncan made our logo. Our theme music is provided by Apipetti. You can get more of his music by going to apipetti.com or by listening right now. From my co-host, Mark Mitchell, this is Patrick Ellers saying thank you for listening. Will Hines, and I am a ghostwriter, meaning I write other people's books for them. And I have a podcast called I Will Write Your Book, which are recordings of my meetings with my eccentric clients, such as a woman blocked after one sentence of a children's book about her dogs, a romance novelist who dislikes sex, and a man proud of having sampled everything in his local grocery store. This podcast has been described as fully improvised, played by some of the best comedians on the planet Earth. Hey, that's pretty good. That's I Will Write Your Book on Campfire Media. Campfire.